0: morning, we'll begin. um, This came out of the Friday prayer meeting. It was something uh, uh, Brad said, and it it really struck me. And I just pick up out of that, out of 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, as we begin uh, to uh, watch out this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 7, but it says, but if the ministry that produced death Carved in letters on stone tablets came with glory, so that the Israelites could not keep their eyes fixed on the face of Moses because the glory of his face, a glory which was made ineffective. How much more glorious will the ministry of the Spirit be? For if there was glory in the ministry that produced condemnation, How much more does the ministry that produces righteousness excel in glory? For indeed, what had been glorious now has no glory because of the tremendous greater glory of what has replaced it. For if it was made ineffective, okay, if what was made ineffective came with glory, how much more has what remains comes in glory. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we behave ourselves with great boldness. And not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from staring at the result of the glory that was made ineffective. But their minds were closed, and for this very day, the same veil remains when they hear the old covenant read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. But until this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, where the Lord is, is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is present. There is freedom we all with unveiled faces, reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another, which is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen.
1: Unveil to us the truth and come up here to the mountain of our Lord, and in the secret place he makes all things new and come up here to the mountain of our Lord with higher rails, unveil to us the truth come up here, come up here, come up here come up here, come up here, come up here here. of our Lord. In the secret place He makes all things new. Of the Lord come up here to the mountain of the Lord oh come up here to the mountain of the Lord come up here to the mountain of our Lord. Oh, and come up here to the mountain of the Lord, oh, and come up here to the mountain of the Lord. just the truth. He is our King, He is our King. and just speak truth he is truth truth is a person life is a person the way is a person they're not just things that we need to try to figure out and get he's a person he's a person the way is through him, the truth is through him, the life. We, we will see little. He will restore all. He came to restore all. He will restore all. He will restore all. Oh, not just a little. Oh, not just a little. He will restore all the things he put inside of you before you were born. He will restore all the things you let go
0: Chapter 2, verse 12. And in this section it says, And the Lord will restore his people. Before this, Stephen started singing. The Lord had taken me here. I believe this is a now word for this event. Micah chapter 2, verse 12. I will certainly gather all of you, O Jacob. And I will certainly assemble those Israelites who remain, and I will bring them together like a sheep in a fold, like a flock in the middle of the pasture. They will be so numerous, they will make a lot of noise. Great move of the Spirit to restore. Release of the restoration. Restoring of all things in the spirit of Elijah before the great, and terrible day of the Lord. It's upon us. Oh, you're the restorer. We say we know who you are. And certainly you're gathering the royal family all throughout the earth right now, Lord. Glory. Now we can, now we can you're the great restore Lord you're the great restore Lord you're the promise you're the oath raise up a remnant Lord raise up the gathering of the remnant family together Lord bring your family together Lord every tribe and
2: tongue
0: oh in a time bring our family together Lord bring the royal remnant together Lord unite us lord
3: 54. Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song. Shout for joy, you who are never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than those than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Do not hold back. Let us not shrink back. And lengthen your Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. I declare that over us. This place, in each one of us, we made to expand. That expansion is happening. The Lord is birthing expansion over us.
1: To run its course, you are the goodness, oh my sweetest friend, you are the avalanche that falls upon us. the house around us. You are the goodness in the end. Oh, you, the day has run its course. You are the goodness. And oh, my sweetest friend, you are the avalanche falls upon us in the end of all the strong and able you are the kindest and oh my sweetest friend you are the avalanche that falls upon And crush us and let us be found in you oh my one my constant oh, thing I've ever wanted it is
0: found in you when David was giving a like an understanding of who God was God who had come to know he tells those that are on the stringed instruments
2: like well, play
0: this in Psalms chapter 4 verse 1 he's saying he's saying I've come to know him this particular way and let me tell you let me tell you what to play let me give you a song. listen what he says when I call out I love this Says to the Lord, listen how confident he is. Answer me. And I'm telling you, the Lord loves this when we do this. I call out. When I call out, I know you're so good. And an answer is coming. answer me, Lord, because you're the great God. He said this, you're the vindicator, and we say this about you. you said the great vindication of your glory on the earth you will vindicate your bride David said sing this though I'm hemmed in on every side listen so many people shrinks back oh man David knew it and we know it we don't have to shrink back when we're hemmed in anymore actually I'm starting to learn it's when you hem us in Lord the greatest moments are on the other side of this So in some way, in some way in our heart, we rise up in faith and we say we're grateful that you would him us in on every side with no possible, no possibility of rescue. Yeah, we're grateful for that. Like we want it. We're not afraid anymore. We don't have to shrink back anymore. That you ordained the hymn again. He said, "Sing this. I know, my God. I got to know you. I know every time you hymn." You're our reward. We seek no
2: other reward but you, are.
1: goodness in- How is it when you crush us, we're able to stand up straighter than we ever have? How is it when you bind us, we are more free than we've ever been? the Lord.
0: Amen. Good morning. morning. Everybody doing good? Oh, man, that was good. Thank you, Lord. So one thing that um, and one thing that we've learned is you can never anticipate um, i find this very unique with the lord but you can never anticipate when he will shrink you back or pull you back into you know an environment where everything shrinks back but you can know and be of a surety that every time god does that in your life that there's a miracle on the other side of that, of, of himself. And that he is deepening his resolve in us to hold the line and believing who he is by looking at him. Yeah. And that it is, it is paramount, especially in the end of the age, that your eyes behold him. Because there are so many things understandings that are trying to vie for our attention and nothing and I know you know this but nothing can compete and should not compete with his very nature of himself and so the Lord would challenge us at times and place us into environments where you just don't know how you're going to get through it but he'll give you a word and he'll say, hold on to what I've said and believe what I say to you. And, and that word gets tried a lot of times for many of you. I believe it says in the word seven times. And another fire comes and The, the question goes back to you and says, is, is, he going to, is he going to take care of this promise he, he gave? And then again, let the fire comes and tries it again. Do you believe me? And in some ways, you know, there's a descent before there's ever an ascent. It's Ephesians chapter 4. You see, Jesus descends before he ascends. And so understand the very way of God. It says, you know, a lot of people today, they talk about signs and wonders and anointings and the power ministries. And these things, there's much legitimacy in all of that. But this end time move will be related to something that is characterized as different than that. The end time move of God, the signs and wonders will not hold you. The evangelism will not keep you. How many of you are watching people fall away from the faith right now? It's unprecedented. I mean, people that you thought were like dialed in on the Lord, they're starting to say like, "I don't know, man." I'm. They're getting in. They're either going hard left or hard right. You know, I'm gonna gut it out and make it happen, or you know God's a universalist and you know it, it's it's got really really out of hand the point being is here at the end of the age the signs and wonders are not going to hold the hold us in the church you know i i remember one day we're in a prayer meeting and i and i said uh, the lord says once you to go to acts and the end of john and you know peter is in this kind of questioning phase and he says to the Lord, he says, what are you going to do with that guy? Remember that? Then John, I believe it's at the end of John or is it the end of Luke? Anyways, he says, he says, what are you going to do with that guy? And, and the Lord basically says, never mind you, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but it's kind of none of your business. What's it to you? And I, I've looked at that for years and I said, Lord, I don't understand the words like I'm going to use Peter's apostolicity to dovetail into John's. And he said to me, he says, in the end of this age, you're going to see great evangelism and a great awakening, but don't get off track. Yeah.
2: That's, not
0: the end. That's not the end because John was made the apostle of the end time church. He, he was given the revelation and, and John's a lover. John's the beloved. And the greatest revelation that will come in the end of the age will not be that God has added a more constituency to his family, even though that he deserves his inheritance, the great end-time move of God will be the very love of God, the very God himself on the soul and heart of man. This is what will hold us in the end of the age. It's beyond, it's, we can't game for the signs and wonders as as it, because so much of that is what the Lord's, even in the end-time leadership that he's raising up right now, he will not let He'll let the teeth be cut on it, signs and wonders, but He won't let you stay with it, like in a sense of holding your heart there. He will not do. Only the very face of the Lord is going to do. He's going, and this is what we're experiencing this morning. We're being trained by the Lord to navigate, navigate back to His face. All of the end-time leadership, all the end-time move is in all of us, all of us, are being uh, prepared by him to seek one thing, his face. Let the signs and wonders come. They will. They follow those that believe. Let, Let us not get distracted. It is his face. His face we seek. His very presence, the restoration of man by looking in the very face of God. And you know that man can't look in the face of God in what? He'll die. The Bible is clear. You cannot see God's face and live. And then David's like, Your face will I see. David's signing up for a death sentence. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, that's what you experience when you say again, I want you more. And it looks like the things of this world, they just cannot hold your, they can't hold on. But you feel the death of the old nature. And I'm, I want to encourage you, don't back off. You know, I asked the Lord years ago, and uh, I'm like, how many death sentences will it take? And I think it's kind of like this, until you don't, and I've heard Brad Ames say, until you don't. Ask that question anymore. (laughs) And I felt it again this morning. I said, Oh man, we're up. He said, Yeah, you're in Psalms 4 1. You're up at a narrow place. And he said, Look at what the psalmist says. He said, Answer me. I'm calling on you. I thought, Man, that's a boldness. Listen, listen. When you feel bereft and your life maybe will come one day where it is going to be snuffed out and you look up into the heavens like Polycarp did and you proclaim his name while they burn him at the stake. You know, Perpetua or whatever when they threw her to the lions. I mean, this, nothing, nothing, nothing is going to, I mean... This is it. You know, I'm like, Lord, how many narrow places? And then I'm like, this morning, I'm like, forget saying that. Bring the narrow place. I'm not saying you have to say that, but I'm like, you know what? Bring it, because on the other side of the place of the narrowness is him. And if that is what it, if that's where it is, and that's where he is, then okay then, so let's do this thing. You know, cut back all the root system. Cut everything back to just you, Lord. And see this longing in the human heart because you and I cannot be fulfilled apart from Him. And uh, don't be afraid. You know, (laughs) like these people are crazy. No, go. Go in again. You know, go again and go again and sign up again. I can't do it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's amazing, you know, you know, this isn't like the feel good kind of, you know, it is, to it, be in the presence of the Lord is like, we get him, but it's not, you know, he was like, oh yeah, we're going to be the church and, and then they're going to talk about like going all the way and then, yeah, don't even buy my hands or my feet. I'm voluntary lover to die, whatever it takes, Lord, I go all the way with you. Listen, David knew it, and he got into the presence, and he knew he was worth everything. The Lord was, and he knew, and, and you know this. This is why you're here this morning. You know this because you've been here time and time and time again, and you learn by the Spirit that, once again, I'm going to sign up for, I don't know. Um, last week, I just tell you a little story. We, Karen and I, with our family, we didn't know where we were going to stay last Sunday night because we'd been out, and... And we're, we're worshiping here and I was feeling that pressure, you know, I'm like, I don't even know where we're gonna live tonight. I don't know how to get eight people bedded down. Uh, our family, and the Lord's like, Go to Echo Mountain Inn. And so we go up there and they're very gracious to us and they bring us in there for a night and um and put up our family. But while we're up there, we go up there and the weathermans are up there with uh you know I don't know if some of you know the Derritters. you know the Derritters? And the LaHughes family. And they just start all worshiping Jesus out there at Echo Mountain Inn. And we're like praying and things like that. It's such a beautiful thing. And uh, Jared Deritter looks at me and he says, if you need a place, just call me because um, we're we're going to, we we want to bless you guys if that's okay. And I said, okay. And and we thought we were going to stay at Echo Mountain Inn for five days. And and things just, some communication things that just didn't work out. And... I called Jared, and he says, yep. He said, "Uh, Brittany's already went to the grocery store this morning and everything, and come on, I'm going to get the grill lit up and bring your family in. And so we go to the dritters, and uh, they they tell us after we were there that the Lord had told them in advance that a family was coming. They go ahead and prepare their whole downstairs, and she had just finished putting all the blankets in and everything. And I thought, I mean like who knew we didn't know our family didn't and the peace of god is there we've been with there with them all week we'll be there with them this next week well they're actually going out of town today but they put us up in their home is the most amazing thing and this is like the seventh time our family's moved and um because the lord had said over this ministry i want to build a dwelling place and y'all have to cross this jordan well the next day it's Monday morning. I said, Lord, um, what's going on? And he said, Remember that word that Rafi Asad sent you? And I said, Yeah, and he said, What is what does Jared mean? And I remember that Jared and Jordan mean the same thing. And I I, I wrote to Jared and I said, Did you know that your name means like Jordan to descend and to, you know, for this crossing that this ministry's in the middle of right now. And and you all know the Kirk Bennett word of the Zadok, you know, word. I believe all of you have heard that. If you had it, you can go back and listen to it. And then we have the Elijah Palmer word that comes. It says, cross the Jordan. And now we're, here we are at this other home, and the Lord is saying, Jared, Jared and Jordan, they match. Well, I write this to Jared, and he's at work, and he sends me back this thing. he says, um, he's like, I Something to the effect of, "I guess I'm going to live to be 962 years old," and and I'm like, "Where's that at?" And I go look it up and send Genesis five, and and Jared gives birth to Enoch. I mean, his wife does, but it's Enoch's daddy, and he lives 162 years, and then Enoch comes forth, and then Jared lives another 800 years, and I say, Lord. That's kind of interesting because someone in this ministry, and I'm not going to say who, had wrote a check here a couple weeks ago for
2: $962.
0: And I, no one writes checks like that. Like you write it for 960, 970, 965, 1000, but I've never ever seen a check like that. And 2 weeks ago I was asking the Lord, why did this family write a check for $962? And so there I am, Kara and I, it's Monday morning. I'm like, ah! There he is again! They, they're signaling, it's, it's signaling. I know maybe, I don't know if you see this the way I do, but I'm trying to paint a picture that Jared is as unto Jordan. And this family had signaled that this ministry is truly crossing. And now here's another sign following belief. Now that we put all our eyes on the signs, but I was just blown away. I was like, oh my goodness, I mean, who does that? And it's the exact same age of Jared. Jared meaning Jordan. And and the Lord said, here's another sign. You're on the right track and you're with the right family and everything's on on pace. Because, you know, the thing is, is like, because I don't know if you've ever had to do something like this where you don't know where you're going to live, but it's not the most comfortable thing to do. You know, and you're just like, are we doing what you want us to do? And now... We got the the word with Kirk Bennett comes right when I say Zadok out of my mouth, cross the Jordan. We got the the word at the next place. So the Lord's like, Elijah is as unto Palmer, as Elisha will be unto this great dwelling place I'm going to bring on. I'm going to come and dwell and inhabit. And now he picked up another sign to Jared in the Jordan word. And I said, for sure, Lord, this ministry right now is in the midst of this crossing heading east, just like Elisha did. And just like King David did when he crossed over to see the dwelling place of God come. And the Lord is the one who is arranging these signs. And I want to encourage you because what we're believing for, the Lord is the one that is picking this thing up and leading it. And it makes me really happy to know He's leading it, especially because if we were just out floating around trying to find a place to live. I would be really discouraged right now. But he's in the middle of it. And the Derritters, we were up till after 12 o'clock last night. They're just been blessed all week. And it's been a, they're a wonderful family. And I'm sure you're going to get to meet them if you don't already know them. But I just want to encourage you that we are on track to not just have a visitation of God, but the very habitation of God. The Lord is calling the shots on this, and this is a big deal. This is historic, because the the Holy Spirit desires a habitation among His people, and I believe that the habitation of God. And I can't say for sure, but I believe this is what happened in the Great Awakenings. I, I believe that that it was like this, that when the habitation of God comes to a geographic area. It's like an atomic bomb that goes off. And like 10 miles out, 20 miles out, 30 miles out, people are just getting touched by the Lord. And it's not like they have to be in this room or another room. They they say that when these kind of events happen in history, it doesn't matter if you're five miles from here, they'll literally convert on the street or in their homes. And and that is what you call an awakening, is not a revival. Because the unbeliever and uh, the believer, when the believer comes more in tune with the Lord, which is what a lot of us have been experiencing, that's what you call a revival. But awakening is when the Holy Spirit begins to move over a geographic center And hits the whole area, like happened in the first and second great awakenings. And it like goes up and down the northeastern seaboard and starts coming down in the southern states. That's an awakening. Listen, that is what we're contending for in this house. That is what this nation needs. And that no man and no woman would get the glory for that, that only the Lord would. And the Lord would cut us back to say... There was no way that any man could make anything like that happen. Only the Lord. But he's coming like this because, and he's been, he's setting this thing up in advance. And he's been organizing this in all of our lives for years in preparation for an end time move. And he'll be glorified in it. And the church will be made holy and the bride and the remnant will unite and you will see your family come together as one. The real royal family. I mean, he used to tell me today, go Micah too, he's like, The com- I want you to have confidence that what I tell you will happen, son. I'm going to unite the family. I'm going to bring my royal family together as one. And no matter what, it, like he's like the word's like, do not shrink back. Let you know, let the let the stuff come off. Let this let the stuff come off. Just let it come off because you know how it feels when you get into social pressure and you want to go back out of relationships. All of you have been in this. You know what I mean. Somebody mistreats you or something goes wrong and you want to pull back because you feel the vacancy and it hurts or whatever. Don't pull back. If you're having this happen in your families, if you're have, just keep on going in. And somebody's pointing fingers at you or it. Just keep on going in. Don't let the enemy stop you. Don't pull back on the Lord. And if the Lord arranges things for you where it feels it's tightening up, go through it. Don't pull back. Just keep going. Put one foot in front of another every day while it's called today. Don't worry about tomorrow right now. My kids ask, uh, Susanna especially, say, Daddy, what are we doing next? I was like, I don't have a clue. You know, don't ask me. I don't know what's next. I can't think that far in the future because we are to be in the present. So, when you're walking with God, you don't necessarily know where your next foot's going sometimes. That's the way this thing's going. And if you're trying to always organize out in advance, you can do that. But, well, it hadn't worked for our family. It's like you get just a little piece of information and then you go move on that and then you wait for the next piece of information. You wait for the next revelation. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged, don't pull back. Stay a course of your life you 've been prepared for this god 's prepared you, and many of you will be used powerfully by the Lord in this next great move uh, god 's got a plan and he's, he hears he sees us right now and he 's with us. Yeah. Hold the line, keep moving forward. Lord we thank you this morning for the blessing of giving provision. We thank you, Lord, for blessings over your people. Thank you, Jesus, so much for what you're doing in our midst and how you're leading and guiding us and that you're ever-present with us. Bless your people today as they give. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Stand with me and let's turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Now Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the regaining of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls up the scroll and he gives it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to tell them. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled, even as you heard it being read. All were speaking well of him and were amazed at the gracious words coming out of his mouth. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And Jesus said, no doubt you will quote to me the proverb physician Heal thyself, heal yourself, and say, what have we heard that you did in Capernaum do here in your hometown too? And he said, I tell you the truth, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown. I'm going to stop there. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this word today. I pray for your unction and understanding to preach your word. I thank you for... Your word today has been so rich to us and your presence, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I, I I don't know how many of you've dealt with this before, but has any of you ever dealt with rejection? Anybody? Anybody want to raise their hand? It's not like something. With, everybody's like, yeah, I've dealt with this emotion before. Uh, some people rejecting themselves, some people being rejected by others. Truthfully, and have have went into that. Um. It's, it's very interesting to me that we get into the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and here Jesus goes, he's in the power of the Spirit, he has the Spirit without measure, I mean, he's not held back in any way. Uh, we get into that he returned to Galilee last week, and we find out that Galilee means like a um, A cylinder. And, uh, you know, and I talked to you about the fifth dimension and how the fifth dimension is rolled up into like something times 10 to the negative 33. And that how when the cylinder of the fifth dimension lines up over us, it allows light to come from the heavens into our four-dimensional space. And so When Jesus comes out of the wilderness, it says he came in, he returned and came into Galilee and, and truthfully... What I heard the Holy Spirit say to me was He was engaged through the fifth dimension into the, to the multi dimensions, and of course His Father, our Father, is outside of the dimensional space. But Jesus has an open heaven over Him. Jesus isn't limited to uh, four walls. He's not limited at all in His life. He wherever Jesus goes, an open heaven goes with Him. He has full access to the Father. And the Holy Spirit to empower whatever he does or says. Jesus is an open heaven. Jesus the person is. Because one of the things we've been asking in this ministry is, what is the fundamental difference between the spirit of Elijah in the end times and Jesus? As I, I, I've, I've been like, maybe I don't really know you, Lord. Like, I, maybe I don't have a really understanding for you. Because um, John's his power preaching, pro, I mean, he's a prophetic power preacher. He's right there at the first advent, and we know that that he has the spirit of Elijah on him, the heart of the Father, and he's he's telling them, the Lamb of God is coming, and he's going to take away the sins of the world, and he's telling them, don't flee from him, come, come in and repent, let... He's got such the heart of the Father that he's not divorced from repentance. He's saying, I, you need to repent. You need, you need to get yourself adjusted to him. John's not mincing words with anybody, but the heart of the Father's in him. Sometimes we, we may think that the heart of the Father would sort of color over things and not be truthful. But John doesn't demonstrate the heart of the Father. And not bring forth truth. He's not just a. He's not just a. Mm, he's not. He's not milly mouth. He's not uh sloppy with what he says. He's uh, not unsettled because he's looking for someone else's approval. John the Baptist doesn't have a messianic complex. He's, he's not trying to draw people to himself. You know, really, the heart of the father is always if. if if you, A heart of a father is always looking after the ones that are under their care. They're really not considering themselves. They, they really are thinking, how can I uh, be there for such and such as, that's, that I'm, I'm uh, in my family or I'm relating to? You don't have to keep going back into, <clears throat> I hope I'm going to be okay and things like this. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's not a legitimate thing that goes on with us. But when the heart of the Father gets into us, the spirit of Elijah, there's a sense of rest in him and, and just a sense of everything's going to be okay. And, and, and if you've known some great grandfather or father figures, there's this rest in them. There's a sort of just calmness. And they, they say things in calmness and they just transmit something. And you're like, wow, that, that, that is revolutionary. But what it is, is the spirit of what they're saying is transmitting peace to you, saying it's going to be okay. God's got this. And Elijah, the spirit of Elijah has that mode on it, but is very still truthful and sticks out. Uh, let me explain, because a lot of times some have said, like the heart of the Father, is sort of like, Totally inclusive he's you know super inclusive on everybody and and I'd like to just tell say to you that I don't believe that the bible bears that out. There's some exclusivity about him and and let me say that John is exhibiting truth like when he speaks to Herod right. You can't, your, your family member can't walk in adultery and that be okay. You, that's not okay, you know. But he's not like transmitting, I hate you because of that or, you know, uh, you're not going to amount to anything and or how could you or, you know, this kind of thing. Now I think about John the Baptist like preparing for this man Jesus of Nazareth and I'm like <clears throat> I mean John's being rejected by the religious sect and a lot of people and and he's saying there's this man coming. I've spent 30 years uh getting ready for this. You know when the Pharisees come to John they say are you Elijah and he says no. I, he said I'm a voice Of one I mean that singularity of vision and that singularity of call is profound I mean this man is bent on proclaiming Jesus he said I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare you the way you see the marks of who this John is he's a very significant person he's very special and I, I think that to just get the heart of Elijah is itself a miracle. You know. It's it's a miracle to finally like not be self-referential. I mean, that takes a miracle. Not to have to prop yourself up on your prophetic thing. I mean, that takes a miracle. One time I was in a class, uh, in evangelism class with Dr. Robert Coleman. How many of you have ever heard of Robert Coleman? Robert Coleman, he was the, he was like, uh, he's over worldwide evangelism. Man, and he's like in his 70s. Him and his wife don't have a home. They live in the dormitory with the kids at Gordon-Conwell, where uh, I, I took my master's program, my degree at And and I'm in, and he's, you know, he's the silver hair, you know, the silver hair, the white haired man, you know, and and he's a a pretty big guy. He gets down on his knees in our class and opens up the book of Revelation and reads it to us on his knees. And while he's talking, and he's up there at Harvard, I mean, telling these kids preaching Jesus right outside the Harvard gates. And they're like, person him and everything and this man has so much love in him and i was watching him observing him and all of a sudden i see like four or five prophetic connections you know because i see things like that and i'm like oh miss dr coleman duck duck And i try to tell him i'll never forget this he like looks at me and he hears what i have to say and he like pays me completely no attention not in a mean way but he was fascinated with jesus and that day like when he did that even his prophetic history and everything he wouldn't even get along with that day when i saw his eyes just look at the lord me and my buddy we go down to the chapel at the seminary and we go in there and we skip our lunch and we just can't stop praying his attention and his focus was so on the Lord that even his prophetic history in God meant nothing to him. And I, I, re, I remember that day and I said, oh, if I could just be a man like that. If I could just be someone that doesn't need any self-referential. See, you, the Baptist was like this. They said, You're, are you Elijah? He says, no. You know what's weird though? Jesus says he is. But John says he isn't. Is John lying? I think John was so consumed with Jesus. He was so wrapped up into him. He couldn't even think about himself. He he was like the great end time prophet. He has the spirit of Elijah on him. Jesus says if you can receive this, he is Elijah. I don't know how to deal with all that. John's not self-referential. And I'm setting this up because... If he's that, if he's that profound and amazing, and not referring back to himself, and is the voice of one, who is this man Jesus? See, like we've set the standard so low, and I'm like, Lord, if. If the end-time messengers and the end-time gospel that's going to go forth has no feedback of self-reference, which so many people are trying to be propped up, and that's the heart of the Father. That he means to birthen us, that we don't have to get someone to stroke us, pat us on the back, get any flattery, get any criticism. The criticism doesn't matter to us, the flattery doesn't matter to us, because what? The the finances do not matter to us, our own physicality doesn't matter to us, because what? the Lord. But what who is the Lord? <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? We, we can point to the Lord, but who is this man? I mean, it's I've been waking up on this. I'm like, who are you, Lord? I mean, who are you because the glory of the end time church is just to have the heart of the Father, much less to even mind the depths of the god man John's pointing towards him Jesus is him Jesus is God You know Jesus goes to the cross so that we can become like him you you get what I'm trying to say When we're talking about a visitation versus a habitation, we're talking about the very God-man communing with you. Every moment of every day, you wake up in Him, you go to sleep in Him, He's in you because Christ in you is the hope of what? Say it again. He's the hope. And I mean, this transition inside... um, Maybe I can give another picture of this because I I don't know how to even do this, but the Lord's like, I said, I don't understand. He's like, well, it's like a fire. And let's say that you're far off from the fire and you're looking at it. And he says, do you see the beam of light that comes from the fire? And I was like, yeah, I see the beam of light. He said, that's like the Baptist is like the beam of light, but I am the fire. (laughs) And he says, a lot of y'all, had just went around extrapolating aspects of the beam of light. But I am the light. When, when, G, when John says one's coming more mighty than I, he'll baptize you in the Holy Ghost in fire. He's not the extrapolation of the light. He is the light. This is what we're saying. And if you come to the light, John 3 that your deeds may be reproved. He said, those that are of the light will come to the light because their deeds are evil and they want the reproof. Do you know that's, what, that's how I know whether a person's a believer or not, is John 3. If someone said, whatever, I'm not, I don't want to repent, I'm like, you're in dangerous grounds because the Bible says that you'll want, you'll want to become like him but if you're always running and saying, no, I don't, I don't need to do that, or always blocking when it comes to repentance, you might want to be careful. Because those that are of light, they want the light to reprove them. And I, I feel like the light's out there, and you know, you and I are like going up into the light tunnel. But, you know, there he is, Christ, the glorious one. And we're in him, he's in us, and we've become one. And the Lord wants this. The, the Lord wants this in this end time. And again, we've, we've set the mark so low because so many people are so concerned about themselves. And, and God cares about you, and he cares about us, and he cares about your needs, and he does. He's good. But so much of even the prophetic move has been so corrupted because the whole thing is i got to get my word and i got to get my thing. And there's no worship to Jesus in that because it's still self-referential. Now, now I'm getting into something here. And I'm not meddling with you. Jesus is full of power. He's got a fifth dimensional light. He can perceive God. He spends time with his father. He can, he's willing to do all the stuff, you know, that a lot of people have a hard time with because he listens to whatever the father tells him to do. And he does nothing except what he sees his father doing. So he's like tooled out, right? And we get up to this place in the scripture today. jesus is going to go back to his hometown nazareth now this really floors me like it's hard to understand this um y'all are going to like this because some of you probably everybody in here has experienced this Nathaniel's going to say, can anything good come from Nazareth, right? This is is so profound to me. Jesus' own kin, the people that hang out with him around there, all the people that are of the class level, that is of the lowest class in that whole entire environment, are spurning Jesus. (laughs) In some way, they see themselves better than him. Now, that don't make a lick of sense, but I, I and I, it, this is hard to understand. It's like how can God be fully invested into a man, and on a class, econ, uh, social economic class level, Nathaniel has no gall in his mouth, meaning that when Nathaniel says to Philip, "Can anything good come from there?" and then Jesus said. That man doesn't speak in a spoiled way, because gal means you have spoiled milk. When Nathaniel says something, it's the truth. Even Jesus is saying, I come from the class of the lowest of the class. Even Jesus is saying, where I grew up was the lowest class environment there were in the Galilee area. Can anything good come from there? I mean, these people are probably rough, Right? There's are still people, but they may be some really, really rough people. And now all of a sudden, these really, really rough people are sort of high and mighty to Jesus. <laughs> I just don't
2: understand
0: it. I'm like, he has all the power to deliver them, heal them, save them. Actually, even beyond that, he created all of them. This is going on in our society right now like never before. You know, I was reading something on critical race theory this morning from uh, in the news. There's 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 some really, really, really issues starting to represent themselves in our society and our culture uh, about the races and the class distinctions. And I mean, it is it is in one sense, it's getting terrible. Um, And I I can't like intellectually unpack all of that for y'all. and I'm not here to get into intellect anyways, but, but there is, there is a real issue in our society right now. And I think a lot of, a lot of people, especially us that are the Lords that the remnant, no one likes to experience rejection by the outcast. It doesn't feel good. You know, no one likes someone who's outcast to reject them too. I mean, it's like, you know, sometimes we could understand if you're rejected by a people of nobility. But to be the outcast and then them, you go to them to bless them and love them, and they reject you. I mean, David said, even the drunkards reject me and the nobility. I just want to say this today because a lot of us in here, you, you've got to understand this. You, you've got to understand that when you set Jesus as your highest priority, you cannot, you're not going to be a friend of the world. It's just not going to work out like that. And even the people that might, and this is really hard, but the people that might know you really well, That you grew up with or were in your family lines. And you start to say, I want him more than life itself. And they're like, why are you judging me, man? I didn't say anything to you. Actually, I love you. And it gets in on us and it wants us to draw back. Uh, Jesus goes there first. Jesus doesn't run from the rejection. He goes right into it. Um, I heard it said, I read this one time, if you want to take out your enemy, run towards him, don't run away from him. That's a different mentality. A lot of people, they see the obstacle and they're like, I'm running from that. The Lord's like, no, run into it, run into the obstacle. Jesus is running right to the place where the highest level of rejection could be levied towards him from an outcast people that are looked down upon by everybody else in the surrounding village. He goes there first, and he says this amazing thing. He stands up and he reads the prophet Isaiah. He says it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to release you that are in captivity. You know, he's saying this, he's saying. And bring your eyes where you can begin to see into the spirit and take your blindness off of you and to set your oppression off of you. I want to liberate you into freedom. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolls up the scroll. Everybody is kind of impressed with him. And then next thing you know, they start to deprecate him. Is that Joseph's boy over there? You know, isn't? I mean, who does he think he is? You know, aren't we just like him? Um, right now it 's coming out from I believe it's from it 's from Kansas City, IHOP just a couple weeks ago and and, and I, I would recommend that you maybe go online and look this up and that, but they 're saying this is what they 're saying out of that house and they 've got Chris Reed out there, and they 're talking about the fear of God coming down on the church but they' they 're saying out there in Kansas City right now in their major meetings. That Luke chapter 418 is going to be the end time precedent that 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 the Lord's going to move on this verse. And this is a couple of weeks ago two or three weeks ago when this comes out. And I said, Lord, I was like, we're going to be into that verse here in a couple of weeks. You know, because we're just going through the gospel together and And I think a lot of times when we think about evangelism and we think about the outpouring of God's spirit, Stephen, if you want to come up, just hear me out on this. Like, listen, there's there's something in the human soul. There's like this nick inside of us or a click in us or, or whatever. And it says, you know, you pushed me out that far, but I can't go that far. They just, the Lord wants to get at that you understand what i mean he wants to get at the place where you're willing to go into where you would be considered an outcast by the outcast and still love i don't want to be seen with them you know that kind of thing i'm too good for this my I'm too good for this, right? Um, I got it kind of going on. They don't, you know. I don't know what our minds say. Jesus goes there. I want to be awesome sauce, you know. <laughs> One of my friends calls it awesome sauce. I, I want Jesus goes there. some of you have been there some of your lives have been there I, I know some of your stories but some of you have had to go there and you see the glory of God is there actually nobody likes that I'm, I'm telling you that, feel, that feeling you know I don't like it <laughs> No. If somebody looks down their nose at you to get angry at you and stuff like that and you did nothing to them and that they're so broken and then they treat you bad and they're completely broken and Jesus is like I'm here to heal you, you know, I'm here to liberate you you know they're going to try to run him off a cliff <laughs> um This is why, like in this end time, we'll have to look at him. Because I don't think that I'll tell you how you know if someone says just the slightest thing off to you and it don't come out right and you get upset about it and it tweaks you. That's just minor if somebody's inflection in their voice wasn't kind to you and it tweaks you wrong that's minor listen to what i'm talking about if you've got some kind of like defense mechanism inside of you and every time somebody touches it you bounce off of it that's minor compared to what i'm speaking about today see the heart of the father just loves and that's elijah but who is jesus John's not self-referential. John's not running towards himself. John's just a voice of one crying in the wilderness. But Jesus is God. Yeah. Jesus is proclaiming liberty in the middle of being considered an outcast. By the outcast. And he's okay with it and he runs into it and his mission takes him there. If you're getting nicked in your life by other people, you know what I mean by nicked? If somebody's like, can poke you and it stirs you up, this is what I'm getting at. The Lord wants to heal that. Someone cuts you off in the middle of city. how dare you talk you know? Someone isn't considerate when they go past you and they'll say, hey, how dare you? This, that's minor! <laughs> Those things aren't going to make it... I'm talking about someone wants to kill you because you you love... I'm I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about something different here. And the Lord wants us to set the standard right. They didn't talk to me right. Well, I'm mad at them. They didn't give me that. Well, I don't like them. They didn't consider me... You know, the Lord's like, oh, you know, quit this, you know. Uh, I want you to know... Me as Father, like the Baptist did in my presence, that I'm ever with you. No one can take anything from you. No one all the offense can wash out. I mean, even Jesus has to send back to John. Blessed are those, right? That are what? Offended by me. So offenses are going to come, folks. Don't run away from it. Go, like, let me challenge you this morning that when you feel that pain inside of yourself that you dig down into the core of it and say Lord what's going on with me I need this to be let's, I need this to be unveiled in my life and I want you to have it uh, let's all stand alright so ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning self-protection lord you know holy spirit that you would fill us in such a way this morning no need for self-protection no need for self-referential the heart of father in this room right now over you that the holy spirit would minister to these places inside of all of us this morning he's getting our attention I don't want to have to have a comeback every time I get touched right here. If somebody touches my wound, I want the wound to be gone. I don't want a wound anymore. I don't want, I don't want it. I, I want you, Lord. I want you so much to feel the places in me. You would know, raise up something in me that even if I'm considered an outcast by the outcast, I'd rather have you than anything, Lord. I would rather have Jesus. I would rather have you. I would rather be viewed wrongly. I would rather be viewed as a villain than even a hero if I could just have you. I would rather that everybody misunderstand me and I was misunderstood. And that I didn't have to go anymore to make myself understood. If I could just have you, Jesus. Now, I'm tired of defense mechanisms and blocking. I'm tired of being nicked. I'm I'm tired of have to have a comeback 57 comebacks for the one comeback against me i want to be free and liberated in christ they cut me off well lord bless them it hurt when they said that thing about me why did it hurt though why you know why why did it hurt why oh i got a wound maybe shame's trying to cover my head seaweed on jonah's face like he had all wrapped around his paradigm of his thought had come all around him kept him from going to an assyrian stronghold to bring forth the gospel of jesus christ i'm asking lord i'm asking this for all of us lord myself included take off the paradigm and the filter systems lord of the human soul and the heart lord that would limit your glorious gospel. Get us with dove eyes that we would set our eyes to fix them on you, Jesus. Like this morning, Lord, that I can't make this happen, Lord, but by your Holy Spirit, we can receive and we can have an awareness. We can have an awareness right now that we want your heart as Father, but we want to know you, Jesus. And help us, Lord, help us, Lord, to run into the place where we feel maybe aloof or somebody looks down on us and we the deprecation is there, but we wouldn't shrink back because when your spirit leads us and guides us into the impossibility, we would just go. Cause not going to be afraid. I'm just going to trust you, Lord. just, you know, before the word just come together, we'll take communion together, but just as you're praying, as you come to take communion, just say unto the word, you know, I want, I want a reality like this in myself. Some people, I, I know that sometimes we think that we'll just never be free of certain things, that have been with us our whole life. But you know, There is freedom in Christ. There's freedom. There's freedom where things that have touched you your whole life and bothered you and caused you to recall and react wrongly, that you can be set free from all of that. today you did it you you made a decision in your heart i know that many of you in here you made that decision and the word is so pleased pleased with us he's so pleased he's so pleased the father he's so pleased right now you made a decision in your heart to to be like the nazarene like a root out of dry ground there's nothing comely about Him, Isaiah 53, that we should desire Him. You make a decision in your heart. to so not let the standard of this world be your standard, but to let God set the standard on you. You don't have to defend yourself anymore. And listen, if you do, just repent. And say, Lord, I want you. Don't don't beat yourself up. So many people beat themselves up. Don't do that. Just push delete. Say, hey, I didn't handle that right. I want to make this right with you. And just move on. Don't go back to your father. He loves you. He's not going to beat you down. Let's say you blow your top this week and you don't act right. Because somebody hurt your feelings or does something wrong to you and it messes you up. Just say, I'm telling you, this is so easy. Just turn and say, I messed that up. I'm sorry. Go back to your father. You don't have to harden yourself when that happens to you. You just just say, you know what, I didn't do that right. Okay, and the word's like, it's okay, I love you. Go back to his lap. Just repent and go back to him. Go back to him. Go back to him. He's a wonderful father. He'll receive you back every time. If you wrong someone, make it right with them. Just say, you know what, I didn't do that right. Just make it right. It doesn't have to be hard. You'll feel this freedom come over your head. The enemy won't trap you into some kind of thing. And then you get all spun out. You don't have to live like that. Jesus came to set us free and liberate us. He came to take our oppression off of us. He came right so we could be just free every day. You know, I didn't handle that situation right. So what? Say you're sorry. Handle it right and move on. You know in yourself because it doesn't set right if you lose your peace. Jesus wants to take the oppression off and make you someone who liberates others from that. You know, when someone forgives you and you've done them wrong and and you say, I forgive you, and you're gracious to them, man, I'm telling you. It's so free and someone hurts your feelings or says something. And they say, you know what? Or you do somebody wrong. And then they say, you know what? I forgive you and I bless you. you. It'll mess you up. That's what Jesus has done for all of us. Let us go about our business doing that for others. Because he, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. to repent just really quick to reposture my heart because you were broken for me I'm just going to turn my heart right towards you Lord, I lost myself right there for that moment but I'm going to turn my heart because you don't bring us under oppression you bring us into glorious liberty and peace every day and we can walk in it every single day we don't have to be thrown off every day Now, I don't know how I'm going to make it. It doesn't matter. He brings us into liberation and restoration. But he said this is the blood that's brand new. Everything is new. Listen, it's the blood of the new covenant because behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. You don't have to live in the old. Today, I make everything new. He took the cup. He said that said drink this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me yes thanks um, this week the uh, the Harrises will not have the safe house meeting for Friday night um, may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you, today.